Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. listening to Concord Matters here on Worldwide KFUO, and it's the early part of the month, which means I'm your host, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, in studio today to look at what it means being of one mind in Christ by trusting the scriptures to be sufficient to bring us together, even as we same say it, as we re-speak it, as we confess what he has said with our amen and our let's say it again. Today in studio with me to do this, we've got one of our usual compadre, the uh, unanswerable. Pastor Sean Smith of St. Paul's Wine Hill in Emmanuel, West Point, Illinois. And a special guest, Pastor John Sias, the secretary, yeah, yeah, secretary for the LCMS Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, uh, taking time out of his busy day of dotting I's and crossing T's uh, to get back into the thing that made him probably be a pastor in the first place, uh, the theology which we believe, teach, and confess. Good afternoon, gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Great to be here as always. Good afternoon. And uh, for the listener, just in case you notice a, a subtle tweak in Pastor Smith's voice, he's not feeling on top of the weather today, but he, what'd you say? It Champions play through the pain. That's indeed true. That's indeed true. <laughs> so he, he made the drive up here uh, to join us today as well. We're picking up at paragraph 72 of the apology to the... I almost said the formula of Concord. The apology to the Augsburg Confession along section of the Book of Concord, which spends a great deal of time emphasizing over and over and over again the clarity and centrality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is, that we are saved by grace through faith alone. Where we're picking up, though, is going to sound, well, it's not going to say something different, but it's going to be making sure that we are not misheard by those who think we are saying something different. And you've heard us drop this word a few times, If uh, Pastor Ill and, and uh, Mr. Slayton and, and Pastor Smith and I, this word antinomian, which does get kind of floated around there these days a little bit, uh, anti-law, unnamous, against the law, the accusation that the gospel of salvation by grace alone will lead one to also therefore teach or can lead one to also therefore teach that the law is not necessary, that the law is even, we might say, not good. And this does lead to later divisions and whatnot in the church debates about that. But the text we're picking up at today should, if we confess it, leave us in in no question whatsoever that the law is not good. It is quite clearly a good thing. But before we get to that, opening thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, I I was thinking of this even in the context of... uh the gospel reading in the three-year lectionary this past Sunday, uh, Jesus utters those uh, beautiful gospel words, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He, he, he doesn't say that there's not work to do under the gospel. Um, there, there clearly is work to do. Mm. There are good works to do. Um, but one of the things that I went in my sermon with was is oftentimes uh, throughout history, the Pharisees had done this. The Roman Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation was doing this, directing us to labors as if they provide us some sort of comfort right. and rest that don't really provide us any comfort right. and rest. And Jesus says, come under my yoke. 
be yoked together with me and learn from me. And you will find rest for your souls there. Um, it, it really is the beautiful gospel comfort we have that as we do the good works that we are called to do, um, the, the really heavy burden of salvation, forgiveness, life, and salvation has been taken off. And so we truly do find rest. And then we can find joy in, in the midst of the daily labors that we are called to do. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. I, you know, that faith finds its exercise uh, when we actually step out and try to do good works and uh, do what we're put here for. You hmm. you think of uh, Adam and Eve put in the garden, and it's not just vacation, uh, even before the fall into sin, but they're put there to work it and tend it and 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 God has made humanity in a very real sense for for work, uh, to to enjoy work, to take it up with zeal, and uh, to do it uh, for the benefit of the neighbor and of, of his creation. So, uh, you know, we 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 tend to think uh, in in a very self centered terms of you know, well, what's it going to do for me if this work isn't going to save me? Why should I do it? But what we see here and confess is quite uh, quite different from that. That faith drives us to see. Uh, that what God instructs us to do is good in its own right. I love the bringing up the fall and the the move from a world of work, a world of labor, which we think now, well, work, that's bad. Although anyone who retires for 10 or 15 years will quickly tell you, I need something to do, <laughs> right? The, the move from work to toil. And, and that right. shift there that the language kind of kind of picks up on. And you see this in the the curse that was given to woman as well, where the, the move from her being reigned over by man went from reign or rule to tyranny. Yeah. And, and so it, what was good now is not good, even though it's still here. And it still has that, that edge of the creation of, that made it good in the first place. And all the more then do all of the Ten Commandments or our life together in, in the way God describes our being the way it ought to be, all the more do these still have these nuggets that once, especially once they are unleashed from the burden of being our tools of salvation— we can we can embrace the goodness of them again, even when they don't earn us well anything at all. And that's that's kind of the miracle that my good works don't need a reward because they're they're good. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the, the original sin when that is added, it transforms holy work into grudgery. Right. And uh, then in a in an opposite sense, when Christ is brought uh, and faith into our lives what seemed to be drudgery before and pointless work in our even menial vocations, right? Uh, our th- thankless labors of love, that's transformed again into a beautiful thing. Makes me think of Luther's milkmaid. There you go. Yeah, where he basically says that the, the, the woman who is a servant in a home milking the cow is doing a greater thing than is, I don't know what he, what he actually says, princes and, and definitely popes and bishops and all these, the holy orders. Certainly those all, guys. Yeah, right, right. So... Cool. So pick it. Oh, go ahead. And there's a tension there, too, because oftentimes when we do these loving acts of um, service to our neighbor, we oftentimes are filled with uh, a bit of, you know, uh, good feelings about it. You know, it's like, you know, this this is a good thing. And and there's a part of that that's good and right and beautiful. I mean, that, you know, you, you should say, yes, this is this is good. This is simply how Christians should live, that we care for our neighbors. You have to hold that intention, though, because sometimes then we quickly kind of prop ourselves up on that good feeling and uh, it becomes chasing a high and or we start to find security in that. And uh, look at how good I'm doing. Yeah, we move from this is a good thing to I must therefore be a good person. Right. right? And and we build our value on it. Right. Cool. Uh, 
Paragraph 72. We're on, in my uh, first edition, page 138. Anybody got a second edition over there? 110. 110 in the second edition. So if you've got a black cover, 110. If you've got a gray cover, 138. Melanchthon says, To demean such works, which we're talking about good works, which he's been talking about before this, the confession of doctrine, sufferings, works of love, suppression of the flesh, would be to demean the outward rule of Christ's kingdom among people. Here we also add something about rewards and merits. We teach that rewards have been offered and promised for the works of believers. We teach that good works have merit, not for the forgiveness of sins, for grace or for justification, for these we receive only through faith, but for other rewards, bodily and spiritual, in this life, and, don't miss this Lutheran, this is kind of gnarly, after this life, for Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 8, each will receive his wages according to his labor. There will be different rewards according to different labors. But forgiveness of sins is given alike and equal to all people, just as Christ is one and is offered freely to all who believe that for his sake their sins are forgiven. Therefore, forgiveness of sins and justification are received only through faith. Oh, now the, now the quote, I don't have an end of a quotation. No wonder I kept going. Interesting. We found a, an error in the first edition where the quote didn't end. So where does the where does Paul stop there? Do you guys have a, a quotation end? Uh, according to his, his labor. labor. Right according to his labors. Right before, but forgiveness. Okay, good. So well, let's come back and pick up, because I think that First Corinthian passage is just absolutely fascinating. But starting with paragraph 72, we got all the way down into 74 there. To demean such works, and notice the, the list of the good works here, the confession of doctrine. I mean, is that in the Ten Commandments? Well, yeah, it's, it's the second and third commandment. Sufferings. Wait, wait, wait. When did that become a good work? I don't like this. Can I? Who signed me up? Can I get out? Right? <laughs> uh, works of love. There you go. There's the ones we like. And uh, suppression of the flesh. You know, we're talking about real holiness, real sanctification, uh, pushing down what I want. Uh, the passion within me, which ultimately is that that passion for my own self-justification. That's mm -hmm. the great threat. Any of that, guys, jump in on it. Yeah, I remember the first time I really encountered this, and I was talking with my pastor in college. Um, that was really uh, a great mentor to me. And and he said, yeah, you know, Lutherans do believe love in levels of heaven. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> this what's, what's going on there? This can't be true, right? Yeah. Uh, Heretic. I found a heretic for a pastor. No, it's it, we actually do. The the irony of it is is that uh, it's one of those things, as most things are, where you got to hold it in tension. Mm. Uh, and as it was simply described to me, you know, it's if you're striving after these things to achieve a, a higher level of heaven, you're actually kind of condemning yourself all the more. Yeah, uh, you kind of don't have the right, right focus. Don't start collecting stars yet. Right, but uh, but yet at the same time, Christ is very clear that you know there there are uh, greater promises that that have merit for us in the life that is to come. Um, that there will be those who who enjoy. Uh, uh, a higher standing, for lack of better terminology, at this time, um, you know, in in that afterlife, and even here in this life, you know, we we do see great benefit of of doing these good works that that bring some, you know, merit to this this life that we live here in this civil realm among our neighbors and so forth, um, and so. 
again, it's always that life lived in tension. The Christian life, the Lutheran life is one lived holding things in tension. And so we recognize the truth of this. We can't dismiss away what Christ says here, but yet we don't make that our, our goal and our focus. Um, the, these things will flow forth from, uh, well, and actually, as I'm thinking of it, I mean, St. Paul gives an example of this um, when he talks about those who labor in the office of pastor. Mm. He says they are worthy of double honor. It's like the only vocation in all of scripture that uh, that that receives such language mm. associated with it. Now, I didn't become a pastor so that I could be worthy of double honor, and I certainly, um, you know, have to suppress the prideful side of myself that wants to go after these people that, that exalt all these other vocations in this world. And it's like, well, you know, but mine's the one of double honor. I mean, that would just be terrible if I did right, that. Right. Um, and, uh, and I should not do that. Um, but clearly scripture talks in these ways. Mm-hmm. And so this, these are things that we hold in tension. It, it is interesting here how Paul or not Paul, the, the uh, apology returns to the logic of the previous article in, uh, in in dealing with the forgiveness of sins here in, the, in this last uh, little bit. Uh, you know, there'll be different rewards according to different labors. Mm. Uh, you know, this is proportional, the, the reward that Paul is talking about. But then he says, uh, forgiveness of sins, though, is given alike and equal to all people, just as Christ is one and is offered freely to all who believe that for his sake their sins are forgiven. And he's, he's almost drawn, Melanchthon is, into uh, reiterating almost verbatim the uh, the article of the Augsburg Confession here. Mm, mm. Uh, he he is in, incapable of speaking about you know so to say the glory of works or the purpose of works or the uh, the honor that is due works without being drawn back immediately to confessing the the chief and central article the the middle term right. uh, that uh, if we are justified by the forgiveness of sins and we receive the forgiveness of sins by faith then we're justified by faith right. The moment you're looking at your own works, you're looking at yourself, and and now you stand condemned. You guys will said a lot of really good things there. Some of it I want to recap here. First, Dr. Pieper, I believe, teaches us some language I think is helpful, which is that we distinguish between levels of reward and levels of bliss, and that in, in paradise we shall expect that no matter what reward you get, you're going to be pretty, pretty <laughs> Stinking happy, right? right? It's gonna be really good. Yeah. You might be the guy cleaning the toilet, but you're gonna love it, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, better to be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked, if I can say it that way. The other piece here is, uh, you know, rewards <clears throat> according to the labor. I've I found in my own conscience no better way for reckoning with this than than understanding that the the reward itself will be more works. And those works will sometimes have more or less authority, but they will be built for me. So if I really just adore a certain kind of thing now, and I always feel like I can't get to do it, my reward is going to be that. But that might not be sitting on one of the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel as the apostles are going to be doing, right? It might just be, I'll give you a caveat, something I actually never do and I don't love, but I think it'll be great if he ever lets me do it. I want to grow avocados like the rest of eternity. I just want to grow (laughs) avocados, right? But there's no authority necessarily in there. But the point being, that isn't quite being a prince, right? Right. And there there will be guys on thrones up there. Uh, There will be those with various tasks and some of them will have higher or lesser authority just as the fourth commandment exists today. But you're going to really love the one you got because it was built just for you. And that in these things... 
you know, it's not the people that are glorified, but Christ who is glorified. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Who, who wouldn't be embarrassed to sit on one of the 12 thrones next to Paul and John and James? You know, I don't deserve that. Yeah, right. Uh, but, but Definitely the, you don't. You know, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know me well. But the, the works that, that Christ did through them mm. are worthy of eternal honor. Mm. And, uh, and yeah. so, you know, these stations that they have for all eternity— uh, you know, we'll reflect that. That's so good. And Christ's work in time, not only in his own flesh, but through the body of Christ that, that served and loved and died. Well, you think of a martyr's death, you know, and, and if you are a Christian, I mean, in, in all humiliation, if you don't die a martyr's death, how could you possibly say, well, I deserve more than that guy? Yeah. Right? And and the apostles definitely fitting into that. And this gets back then finally, Pastor Smith, to your, your comment about undoing it. So the thing about the levels in heaven, as soon as you learn about it, you also have to learn that if you want to go up higher, stop trying. Because there's no way by trying to get more that you're going to get more because you're you're doing it in pride. And that's that's not going to get you to a higher level. Yeah, and, and all of this really does matter for the here and now, too. Because when I recognize um, that, you know, even, even if I clean toilets um, for all eternity, the, the reason that that'll be joyful is because it's purely to the glory of God. Um and and it's free from the curse mm. that that makes that kind of a, a nasty work. It'll here on smell Earth. really good. It yeah. might even be tasty. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. That's going downhill fast. But uh, <laughs> um, right, but uh, but yes, it's free from the curse. And, and and so when you recognize all of what has been achieved for you, and what the goal is, where you're mm. going then it begins to change the way I view the things I do in this life. And there I see, you know, especially people, and, and it always seems that it's like other people, never me. Like I never quite can achieve this, this myself because uh, my pride just gets in the way. But uh, I see some really humble people out there that are just truly joyful and in the most meaningless tasks. And I'm like, Surely they get the <laughs> the kingdom of heaven, mm. uh, and, and and I mean you really do you, you you start to see that reflected in their life that they really do find joy in the work that they're given now. Oftentimes when I do a funeral sermon, I, you know I kind of hold these things in tension of funeral sermons too, and and we've we've all heard um, funeral sermons that are really quite poorly done where all they do is they talk about the good things that this person, person did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, you know, if they were so good, why are they dead? <laughs> you know, mm. um, you know, give, give us Christ, give us the promise. But when I, when I do talk about a person, um, and, and, and the different things that they have, uh, done in this life and so forth, the loving acts of service to their neighbor and things like that, you know, I'm, I'm always sure to point out and yet praise be to God that though they were imperfect in that, they did that as a fruit of the living and active faith hmm. that was present in them. And and those who are gathered here to mourn the passing of this loved one certainly benefited from that. And that's good because those good works, as we'll say here in a little bit, and as we often say, are needed for your neighbor. Your, ne right. your neighbor needs those good works. Um, they don't earn anything for you in heaven to the glory of God. Um, you know, again, you can't, you can't do them to get yourself that better place in heaven. Um, though the Lord may choose to reward those things, but, but your neighbor certainly needed them here on earth. And so we hold those intention, but always let Christ predominates. And then from that strong faith, 
flows forth um, truly content, humble, good works. I want to try to, to hit something there with a, a, two illustrations, if I can. That You mentioned the word meaningless works, and I think that actually is... I mean, I guess in one sense, all works are meaningless. We live in this age of futility, so so there is that. But I know the feeling of of looking at somebody or someone and thinking, how how can this person do this all day? And I want to talk first, uh, Pastor Sias and I were just chatting beforehand about his work in creating, which I think is something that's wonderful, a uh, a critical edition. Can I can I betray this on 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 the air? Working yeah, on sure. a critical edition for the Constitution of the Missouri Synod, so an, an old old Constitution, trying to show all the changes and when it happened, where it happened, all this kind of stuff, which I think is tremendously valuable. But it would drive me insane to try to do that. I could never. I would I would go. I'd be, you, you, I'd, I don't think I'd kill myself, but I'd want to quit. Right? I want to quit my job. <laughs> and and yet, um, I don't know. My guess is that there are things in my day that I enjoy which you yourself, Pastor Sias, would not. And that this brings me back to that vocation point. We are we are uniquely tailored to the task at hand. Is it possible to have a job you don't like? Period. Yes, it is possible. Um, but I'll use one more example here. My 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 blessed and wonderful wife, who is a gift to me from heaven above, she, she does... Well, let me flip this back. There's a small f- d- d- disagreement in my house over who washes the dishes. And it's it's partially over my my 12-year-old daughter and her not wanting to and partially over my wife and her not wanting to let her because for my wife she actually almost goes into like a meditative state while she does it and it's some of her alone time where she just gets to and you can ask her about it she swears by it and she she like doesn't want to let the, the other kid who's we're, we're, I'm trying to make her to give her some labor in her life, right? <laughs> <laughs> make her wash the dishes. And uh, so so but that this thing about my my bride is that she's uniquely tailored to actually get joy out of something that many right. people don't, right? And she does. And, and paradise is where we all have that where it's supposed to be all the time. Huh? You with me or am I just off on yeah. the deep end and I just really insult my wife? <laughs> No, I, I'm definitely... I, I'd be happy to send her either dishes or bylaws yeah. to work on any time. <laughs> <There you> so. <laughs> no, I, I, no. I, I think you're right. I, you know, we talk about uh, crosses being ideally suited to people, huh. and uh, that happens in a way that we don't really understand. I, I mean, there's no uh, 23andMe genetic test for what your cross is supposed right, to be. Right, right. Uh, cross, good. Uh, this is not an uh, advert for that, but... Uh, uh, nor is there really, you know, a, a vocational aptitude test, uh, ASVAB or whatever they have now for, uh, you know, what, what your place is, what your work is to do. And, uh, and yet, uh, you know, these good works are prepared in advance for us that we may, uh, walk in them. And, uh, that really means something. Um, you know, I think of, uh, you know, how do we find that out? Uh, some of my favorite, uh, uh, words about vocation, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with vigor. Right, right. You know, that is find what your neighbor needs, find what needs done, and uh, it, and do it. Um, I, if I can digress just for a second, Please. I came from a coal mining town. We burned coal to make electricity, and it's not a, a, a very glorious vocation in these days. You have a lot of people kind of at your throats for doing it, but... Uh, I don't think there was anybody there that had in mind anything but keeping the lights on for uh, people that needed juice. And, uh, you know, uh, this is a good thing. Hmm. Uh, They had the means to do it. Uh, They put a lot of labor into it, and uh, 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 they did that for their neighbors. So um, 
things that seem to be meaningless, pointless. You know, it's one day after another, more coal into the hopper. It's not publishing dissertations or mm -hmm. um, making blockbuster movies, but uh, there is something enduring there and something of value uh, if it's done in faith and if it's done in love. So. Yeah, and, and contentment in in what is readily available to you in vocation as well. I mean, right. I, I know I'm often tempted as I sit with you two in this room. I mean, I, I, I often struggle with this, you know, like the works that some of you guys crank out, you know, time after time. I'm like, well, why does like Fisk get to do that in hmm. size? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know or, or another one, we all know Brian Wolfmuller, you know, right. it's like, yeah. how does that man, like, does he ever even sleep? I don't like, think he does, honestly. Yeah, right, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I get really jealous of those things and the prideful side of me. And it's like, well, I want those vocations, you know? And, and, and oftentimes this is part of the issue going on at the time of the Reformation. It's been nothing new under the sun. Isn't it ironic how all of these good works are things that they really want to do themselves? Yes, um, absolutely. You know, and uh, instead of finding the contentment, and that was something that Luther, especially in his teaching and preaching, really recovered, you know, that there is glory in the, and the trash collector doing his job faithfully. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. actually picked up on this as well. He said, you know, if you're a street sweeper, sweep that street so well that people will sing the praises of you know yeah. God. Yeah, I mean, just this this is uh, this is the nature of contentment and the vocation of this is this is where I'm given to serve and I'm going to do it with my whole heart until God provides another place. Um, and I don't have to go out and searching for that. And and uh, it also helps me not be envious of my neighbor uh, and what they've been called to do. Yeah. We're going to take a little break right here, but I'll come back on the other side. I want to pick up wherever you want to pick up, Pastor Sias, as well as on this idea that your cross is uniquely tailored to you. And we still haven't talked about rewards on earth for your good works. Just one paragraph so far. We'll be back. This week on His Time's Daily Lectionary Study, we continue our meander in the book of Acts and then jump into Galatians chapters 1 through 3, where the center of the gospel of justification meets head-on the false teaching of works righteousness, all, dare I say, circumscribing the Old Testament codes of Moses. Join us at 8 a.m. every weekday morning for His Time, your morning drive for the soul, here on Worldwide KFUO. In 1924, we embraced the new technology of that day. Radio. Since that day, we've stayed on the cutting edge of technology. There are many easy ways to listen to Worldwide KFUO. On the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the gospel of Christ in both word and song. Now that's why you should listen. The where and the how, well, that's up to you. The messenger of good news. Worldwide KFUO. Human trafficking is modern-day slavery, and it happens in our own communities. Victims can be any gender, age, or race. Join the Department of Homeland Security's Blue Campaign to learn how to recognize and report this heinous crime. Visit our website at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. That's www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. Your second look could be their second chance. How do you reconcile the Bible's teaching that believers are indeed wise with Jesus' teaching, thanking God that of the very many interesting things concerning Christianity, God has kept them hidden from the wise? It's the next Law and Gospel. 
Weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. With over 800 miles of bookshelves, it's the largest library in the world. The Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. is also the oldest federal culture institution in the nation. But did you know, two great Bibles face one another in the Great Hall of the Library of Congress? The giant Bible of Mainz, signifying the end of the handwritten book. The other, the Gutenberg Bible, signifying the beginning of the printing revolution. The library's collection includes the first known book printed in North America, the Bay Psalm Book of 1640, and displays 100 of what are considered extremely rare children's books, including the Children's Bible, printed in Philadelphia in 1763. Engaging with the Bible in its enduring impact and influence. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Court Matters here on Worldwide KFUO. We bring you the message of the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done every day, all day. And you can go online after we're off the air here on AM in St. Louis, AM at 50. Uh, this is Concord Matters, where we say, uh, before we say Concord Matters and talk about the one-mindedness of being Christians under a king who's given us his word, re-speaking that word, talking about faith and good works, their relationship with Pastor John Sias and Pastor Sean Smith, right out of the Apology to the Augsburg Confession in the Book of Concord. And we left off, Pastor Sias was going to say something kind of in the direction of the value of virtue. Was that it? I, or I threw you the wrong thing. <laughs> oh, I'll turn your mic on, too. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that's good. If you can hear me out there in Radio Land. Uh, I, you know, I was kind of thinking, you know, that, that faith really transforms us uh, to do works for the right reason, which is simply love of neighbor, doing what needs to be done, doing mm. it with vigor, you know, not for the reward, but because our, our will is brought into alignment with the will of God. But I, I wanted to add to that, though, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Right. And, and we kind of think, I mean, we all naturally think about vocation, you know, now I'm in the right place because everything's clicking. Yeah. And uh, and and Luther actually tends to say things more like, "Well, if everything's frustrating you and burning you up, you're probably where God put you. Right? You know, don't run away from that. Stay there and and do it." And uh, this, to me, is is the flip side. It's actually a a rich benefit of trying to engage and do good works in this life, not the ones that we seek out because we like them, but the ones that fall to us because our neighbor needs it uh, and may not even want it, but needs it. Uh, because it will put us under the cross. Uh, it will bring us to a point of evaluating our attempts to do those good works and seeing their, not only the opposition that they encounter, but also our own personal failings and shortcomings and desire for glory, all the things that corrupt and, and poison the well of those works. We're, we're brought into confrontation with that. Uh, and when we meet that in faith— what are we driven to? Uh, but again, to be justified in Christ, justified by faith apart from the works of the law, uh, and sent out again, justified, made clean, made whole, simply mm. to, to love. Yeah, no, that's, that's beautiful. You, you remind me of a conversation I had with Pastor Wolfmiller, who was mentioned earlier. He's a friend of mine. We chat every once in a while. And I was on the phone. I was hopping mad. I was, I was so mad. And the reason I was mad was because I had 
tried really hard to do the right thing in a particular set of circumstances. I had just given my everything to sacrifice and not get what I deserved out of it. And then things got worse. <laughs> and it didn't, it just, oh, it was so, and he just, he just, he kind of cut through it. He said, yeah, it's, it's your good works that get punished. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, you know, that's exactly right. And the devil, the devil doesn't want you to, to to do the good works. He wants to stop those. Right. He wants the wicked works to continue. So you let go of the, the thing you should be doing. That's when the rewards are going to come flowing from the world, the law and the praise and the honor and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and yet even all that uh, is turned to good for those who love God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that in that we're driven to faith. We're driven to see Christ is all in all and, and to go back to it. Uh, trusting him. You pick this up in the Psalter, though, too, right? I mean, don't feel bad if you don't always feel this way. The way we're talking is what is true at the moment, but it's not always how we feel. I just confess, I was hopping mad, right? The Psalter is is filled with why, oh Lord, do you let the evil man have the reward, you know, have the things that he wants, and that, you know, why am I the one suffering? It, we, it, the, the struggle, the tentatio of faith is the tension between this truth and uh, w- what we experience as as sinners believing this truth. Yeah. I want to go, go back here to 72. And sure. We, we, um, you mentioned about it when you were reading through it, but it says to demean such works, and then in parentheses it says the confession of doctrine, sufferings, work of love, suppression of the flesh would be to demean the outward rule of Christ's kingdom among people especially when it comes to that sufferings, you know, you certainly get St. Paul that talks this way about uh, sufferings, but uh, I can't remember the exact name of the book, but it's like the pastoral letters of Luther or something like that. But he writes to another pastor who's just going through a tough time in the parish and he had personal struggles and so forth. And, and it was a really simple, beautiful letter that Luther wrote. And he said, how, how richly God must love you. Hmm. And I'm like, you know, I'm not sure I have the guts to say that. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. and, and part of it is our... our uh, but it's true. Can, it, it's very true. Absolutely. Yeah, but Luther's part of, Letters of Spiritual Counsel, I think. Luther's Letters of Spiritual That's what it is. Yes, absolutely. Great book. Leave it to um, the guy who dots the eyes to know the title. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know the... Uh, I know the, I can count on him. Do you know the yeah. whatever number the library uses to file it with, too? Just out of curiosity. I, I couldn't tell. No. You. Okay, okay. <laughs> no. But, uh, but, yeah, you know, I mean, especially in our modern culture... Uh, you know, sometimes I feel that pressure as a pastor to come in and give some, you know, some sort of message that would give them happy smiles for Jesus or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. And uh, I, I just think that that's to our discredit. Um, and I fight that urge and I give them God's true word. Um, but especially, you know, when you take a look at Job in scripture, St. Paul himself, I mean, that really through these sufferings and uh, and things of that nature that it really would demean the outward rule of Christ's kingdom among his people, that there we learn to trust him more fully. There we, we learn his heart towards us, that he, he's not going to allow us to become conceited in, in the works that we want to do, the works that we think are valuable, um, but that we endure the crosses, the ones that are given to us, and trust that uh, he has borne the heaviest cross, the one for our salvation, and is leading us to 
the blessedness you, of you eternity. really brought it home there with bringing up trust again because what is demeaned ultimately when we reject suffering is is faith alone when we say that this event connected to my life and works here is how god really feels mm-hmm. as right. opposed to believing through the midst of the darkness that the, the light beyond is is at work through the cross the cross of jesus the guy got crucified for pete's sake you know mm-hmm. and for everybody else's sake too yeah um mm-hmm. I, can i can i push us ahead a little not out of yeah. the section we read yet though because yeah. i want to talk about we've talked about rewards and levels in heaven right uh, we, we've talked about the cross we, we haven't talked about rewards on earth i mean they, they basically said good works are certainly going to bring rewards on earth and i just said you get punished for your good works but there is this other side to it and i think this is can be a simply and we can we can move past it if you want but as simply stated as well look if you don't want to go to jail, don't steal, right? Is, is that right. kind of what's no. going on here? Why go through life kicking against the goads? Right. You know, God has made this world to work a certain way through work. And if you work, it's going to work. I was always uh, stunned by a book I read once called How to Win Friends and Influence People, which I'm still very poor at. Uh, but <laughs> what I was stunned by was the biblical wisdom I kept finding in it, which was along this same lines. Like, if you want someone to like you, you should like them and not yourself. Don't talk about yourself. You know, be interested in what they want to say and that and that they'll think you're a nicer person for that. And he, he was at pains, actually, to, a very famous book, Carnegie, was at pains to say, you know, you can't do this for selfish intent. If you do, it won't work. But I was, again, amazed by how much natural law of loving your neighbor sure. was just built into that book, which gets a bad rap because the name actually, the title of the book is pretty awful. <laughs> it sounds a little conniving. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. How to masquerade as a nice person. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it, the whole point of the book is is actually how to be a nice person. Right. But it, it recognizes that there are benefits to being a a nice person as opposed to the, the enemy of the state yeah. per, per se. <laughs> huh? Yeah. And I mean, even to take it a, another level further, that there are clearly rewards for earthly labors in the civil realm here. I mean, if, if you are a good virtuous worker um, and you do your work faithfully and well, um, you will receive the promotions generally. Now, that's not to say that some evil conniving people who are manipulating systems might not seem to prosper in the short term, but it's been amazing to me how many times it's been pointed out to me by friends in the business world and so forth that while it seems like they advance for a little while, ultimately it ends up crushing down on Mm -hmm. their head, right? And that those who just do good virtuous work tend to really do prosper in this in this earthly life in that sense the key there's the word 10 too i think that's really important it's like this the all the wisdom of the proverbs these these are the way things tend to be but we live in a chaotic world right. job was a righteous man and he tended toward virtue and his he had a great life because of it and, and yet sometimes god says well who are you to talk back i, I gotta do this for the good of and we would say for the good of the elect for the good of salvation of mankind at some point mm. um it, it's just the way it's gonna be and so that tension we Tension is the, the thing of the day today, uh, but th- that kind of hits there. So if I can move us into the exposition on 1 Corinthians 3.8, we really haven't touched about the text, but t- talk much about, uh, talked much about the text. Each will receive his wages according to his labor. If I'm not mistaken, this is the passage of Scripture where he does talk about building with straw versus building with gold and, and recognizing that you can be a Christian, you can build with straw. You can actually 
not do as good a job as you could have done. And this could even get to in the level of heterodoxy versus orthodoxy and whatnot, but that the fire will purify all and the straw is going to burn up, the gold's going to remain. And so this, all this does is shove us back upon the grace of God, the foundation that we're on, that, that Christ is the foundation, but that also if we're going to do good works, the source for knowing what those good works are better be the word of God and not what we just decide they're going to be, which kind of takes us back both to the idea of choosing your own cross and then, you know, the medieval idea of picking your own, picking the works you want to do because you think those are the good ones. Yeah. You know, in our era where it seems that uh, our cultural understanding of what is good and right is diverging rapidly from the natural law. Yeah, yeah. And we're moving from virtue into kind of the virtue signaling uh, uh, domain, uh, the human chosen positive law, whatever we legislate today kind of works. Uh, that's a very important point uh, that, uh, you know, ultimately these these works, uh, you know, will be tested. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what will endure will endure and what won't, won't. And uh, uh so yeah, that's a that's a critical thing. And as we think about, you know, and in terms of of the confessions, uh, civil righteousness, uh, you know, it speaks of civil righteousness as a good, as something that earns us respect in in uh, the culture around, and that's important. But even that is not regulated by the civil culture, hmm. but by what God has established civility to be. Right. Right. Well, and if you go against it, I mean, this is kind of the to the point where the text from Paul is talking about the eternal fire, but the the fire of natural law itself. And this was kind of your point about the the person climbing the ladder, but then crashing it all down. A, a civilization that doesn't believe in, believe in any kind of moral virtue will have people without virtue, and eventually they're going to be defeated by people who at least get an idea that we got to defend each other. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and those other people who are all for themselves, they're, they're helpless and, uh, and, right. and have no defense. And so it will break itself one way or the other. The rise and fall of civilizations, I think, is fairly connected to this. Yeah. And it might be a slight side tangent on this First Corinthians passage, but I, I remember my father always telling me who was, you know, not, not a church worker or anything. He worked in electronics and so forth, but he always said, you know, you can do things the right way the first time and it may seem more expensive, um, but it tends to keep last. You from doing them twice. Yeah. It keeps you from having to do it again. Or, um, you know, you can, you can do things the cheap way and then you're back there again, doing it over again. And oftentimes it turns out to be more expensive, more costly to you. And I think it really does play into these sorts of things. You know, we face these sorts of things in, in the church and so forth. And they say, Oh, why are you so upset about, uh, you know, a church that chooses to conduct itself in whatever way, you know, and, uh, it gets the job done and, you know, it gets people in here and it's like, but you're really building with straw. It's not a really good, good thing that's going to build a, a lasting foundation and and you're possibly making a very costly yeah <laughs> um, you know to to do it the easy way right off the get-go instead of doing it right doing building with these good things of gold and yeah and the like. yeah using the real deal which is what melanchthon then needs to get back into back to what pastor size is amazing he's talking about the law and he can't help himself he's got to talk about the gospel and melanchthon is, is like that all the way through the confessions uh, he, he gets back to paragraph 74, there will be different rewards according to different labors, but forgiveness of sins is given alike and equal to all people, just as Christ is one and is offered freely to all who believe that for his sake their sins are forgiven. Therefore, forgiveness of sins and justifications, the articles what this is all about, are received only through faith, not because of any works. This is clear 
because of the terrors of conscience, because none of our works can turn away God's wrath, as Paul clearly says in Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith. It, it, now we're back where we, we've been talking about this for months, right? It's, it's kind of the yes. same thing. Was, why, do, why do we spend so much time on two sentences there? I think it's because it was a new topic, at least for me and me and Pastor Smith for, for a while. But but we're back on the thing that, that ultimately matters, and yet he's trying to drive home this point. Yeah. That as value, valuable as, as works are, there is only one thing that there is which alleviates the conscience. Yeah, and here he's, you know, I think he's returning to the logic of the previous article of the of the apology, uh, where he 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 he's saying, you know, is Paul talking here about a reward, a saving reward, uh, a reward of salvation? And he says no, because he's talking about a proportional reward, and salvation's not proportional. Forgiveness is is whole and entire and mm. complete and enduring and forever. It's a it's a unit. Uh, when we believe that we're received into uh, God's favor for Christ's sake and the forgiveness of sins. And, um, you know, we might be surprised that he keeps coming back to that. It's, he's, a, he's a broken record, but it's an example for, for us that the forgiveness of sins never becomes irrelevant. Mm. It, it never loses its immediate relevancy as we move on to talk about good works and vocation and daily life. Um, the life of the Christian constantly revolves around that, and it's it's not only important for the faith, I mean, for the saving consequence of believing our sins are forgiven, but it's liberating for all these other things. Um, uh, as we said a little earlier, you know, we can talk about degrees of goodness. You know, we can say, well, we, we did this, but hey, you know, that might be straw or wood or it's not gold. Uh, we're free to talk about those things hmm. as Christian brothers and to and to evaluate honestly what we're doing and say, yeah. you know, I could have done better there because we know we're not working out our salvation by that thing. You know, well, I only put straw into the hopper today. You know, I'm in trouble. That's not what we're working on. We can be confident of salvation in Christ, the forgiveness of sins, that he will, by his own merit, complete what is lacking in our works, you know, uh, so we can begin to be honest again about what needs a little work down here. The freedom to be to acknowledge that I've done wrong is the path to trying to do the right yeah. thing. And if I can't ever be free to acknowledge I've done wrong, how am I going to actually repent? Right. With you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are yeah. feared. Yeah. So this is a really a very practical application, a, a, you know, a, an everyday application of the most fundamental article of faith. That if it truly is completely given to us, salvation, life, hope in the forgiveness of sins, we can be real and call a thing what it is. Yes, I amen to that. Yeah. Pastor Smith? Uh, maybe I'm trying to force this metaphor on, but uh, you know, I, I uh, missed the last time we were on as a group because I was getting married out in Wyoming. And so I'm, I'm going to exposit my few weeks of being married wisdom here. Uh, yeah, it suits you well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, I, the foundation is, is that my, my wife loves me. Mm -hmm. She makes that known to me. Right. And because I know that she loves me, there are times when I, I want to do things for her. Um, that would be pleasing. 
and sometimes I don't always do them very well, and I want to do better at them, and I can and I can evaluate that. But I I'm not doing it in a way to to make her love me more, or right. you know, as if as if you know, by my failure of doing it as as well as I wanted to, that she would stop loving me. Um, but uh, it, it really does tie into this relationship of faith hmm. and good works again, assured by faith of the love of God in Christ Jesus for me. I can evaluate what I'm doing, you know, as, man, I really could have done better here. Now, I'm not going to be fearful of losing my salvation, you know, because I didn't do it as well as maybe I could. You know, I'm, I'm going to struggle with that. I'm going to wrestle with that. I'm going to seek counsel. I'm going to uh, um, confess my sins to my father confessor and things like that um, and endeavor to do better. But there really are, I mean, we, we, we and we've talked about this before, we haven't really moved that far past the Reformation because there are a whole lot of Christians out there, um, well-meaning Christians who, who have a desire um to love God, but they've just been misdirected to things and, and they really get in such heart wrenching struggles of, uh, I, I've heard it voiced to me as simply and honestly as, you know, well, I guess God just doesn't really love me because he doesn't give me victory over this mm-hmm. sin or mm-hmm. over this struggle or to do this better. The words always fail me when I try to share the love of God in Christ Jesus with others. When I do evangelism, I'm like, man, you really need to learn the gospel, huh. uh, the real gospel, um, that uh, you can wrestle with those things and desire to do better, but don't get it caught up in your salvation. Their faith is that foundation of gold, <laughs> to use that First Corinthians passage again. Their, the, what Christ has done is fully sufficient. And out of that, we're not antinomians. The law still has its place. I'm still going to dig into God's word. And I need to, you know, uh, wrestle with, you know, well, I let it slip the other day because I wasn't feeling so well, <laughs> or, you know, things like that. Um, and I want to do better at that and, and, and wrestle with that and, and do better in my my Christian living, um, but I'm not going to say, well, God must not love me enough to give me the the strength to be able to do it perfectly or anything like that. But there really are Christians and I meet them on a regular basis as, and not just as a pastor, long before I was ever a pastor, um, just friends um, who really wrestle with these things. Yeah. That's actually a beautiful metaphor. I think marriage is good for life and good for preaching, you know, you, yeah. but uh, you, um, uh, you know, the fear of wrath only motivates us so much. Uh, you know, it's like the IRS. It'll only get you to do enough not to get caught. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, if, if I uh, thought my wife only loved me, if I got every uh, hamburger cooked to the perfect doneness in the middle and she told me so, uh, that'd be a pretty traumatic life. Uh, but, uh, but, but I know that's not the case, and it's the same thing here. Uh, we're, we're liberated to... Uh, you know, to 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 step out and, and act in faith, um, uh, and that's a that's a beautiful thing. In this 500th anniversary of, year of the Reformation, it maybe is more important than ever to acknowledge the the, the slip up of the Reformation. That, like a drunk man about to fall off a horse <laughs> on one side, we may have as world Christianity flipped all the way to the other side and, and fallen off the other side. And I think maybe. If I can, if I can say it, at a surface level, 
there's a widely held belief that the Reformation was about the way church looks. Mm. And so there's a now there's a half or a third of the world Christianity called Protestantism that believes it's different than Rome because it looks different. But we we Lutherans, our, our proposition at the start was that what needs to be reformed is what the church believes. And, and, and the danger that is often unseen by the Protestant world is how much what they believe is very much what Rome still believes on this particular issue. And I'd love to spend more time uh, digging into what that means about the freedom to call a thing what it is, to call Scripture what it is, to say what Scripture says. It brings us back to confessing and same saying. Uh, But we're we're, we're getting close on time. I want to give you guys closing thought chances. So summarize the the, the morning or that morning. Summarize the afternoon. uh, Bring it all home. Whatever your closing thoughts might be with just about a minute left for each of you. Well, just picking up what you're just saying there, too. I think maybe we've talked about on here before, too, how often... Um, you know, we talk about, we see a lot of these same things still today, you know, and, and we really haven't come past the Reformation that much. And maybe even once I think you and I were talking about, you know, should write a book about, you know, just comparing, you know, modern American mm-hmm. evangelicalism with Roman yeah. Catholicism. Yeah. And we might be surprised to find that there's not much difference there other than what we see with our eyes in yeah. certain places. But that that is where the Lutheran doctrine, uh, the Christ-centered doctrine really does need to predominate for us and that Christ has been what his work is fully sufficient. And by faith, my heart clings, it comes to rest in it. And, uh, you know, tying in again, the gospel reading from this past Sunday, that's where I find rest for my soul. And that's where I find, man, I just can't, I can't love enough. Um, not because it earns anything for me, but because my neighbor really needs it and 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 it really does serve uh, serve them well. This you know here as all everywhere in the apology, it's not about the external organization of the church. It's about the glory of Christ, the honor of Christ, and the comfort of consciences. and And what really comes through here is a comforted conscience is not an inactive one or a, a sleeping one or a completely passive one. It's one that is active, glorifying Christ and love for the neighbor. And uh, when that comes to happen, uh, what a beautiful thing uh, and, and what a force the church is in the world. The proper distinction between law and gospel is a particularly glorious light. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the show today. Pastor hey, my pleasure. John Sias, uh, Secretary of Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, Pastor Sean Smith, unanswerable, and pastor of St. Paul's Wine Hill and Emmanuel in West Point, Illinois. Gentlemen, again, thank you. Thank you. That particularly glorious light is what we pursue in Concord, in harmony, wanting to be rightly kept under and on top of the gospel of who Jesus is and what he's done. In order that we might be freed not to look at ourselves any longer, but to lift up our eyes underneath that cross and see all the other sinners there with us who are most in need of something God has given us the hands to give mercy and service to them. You're listening to Concord Matters here on Worldwide KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Jonathan Fisk. Hopefully we'll be back with next week with a couple of our other regulars, but glad to have Pastor Sias here as always. Until then, well, you can listen to me in the mornings, or if you can't, rock on. Uh-huh.